Flashing sharp, pointed, and insightful. This is Stacy on the Right on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Unfortunately, the difference we have between the executive and the legislative branch in our house anyway is ideas based on fact, science, truth, evidence. Did I say data? So we have a, we'll have a different interpretations of what happens. We were interested, we are interested in doing infrastructure. It's clear the president isn't. He is looking for every excuse, whether it was let's do trade first, or whether it was he's not going to pay for any funding, or whether today that there are investigations going on. We've had a House investigation. We have Senate investigations. We have investigations like nobody's ever had before, and there's nothing, we did nothing wrong. They would have loved to have said we colluded. They would have loved it. These people were out to get us. The Republican Party and President Trump, they were out to get us. And now, Stacey Washington. <laughs> okay. All right, so we have a lot of show for you. We're going to chat with Kyle Drennan next segment. He's going to be uh, discussing this Hollywood. They're saying they're going to boycott Georgia because of the heartbeat bill. Um, and remember, we were laughing about that last week. I was saying, oh, they're not going to boycott it because, you know, they like making money, blah, blah, blah. Well, they're saying they will. Uh, so I don't know. I don't, I don't actually know what they're going to do because I, at this point in time, I could care so little. I have so less caring within me for what Hollywood is doing and the, and the garbage they're putting out. For every quality film they put out that's not full of propaganda and indoctrination, they have like 100 that are. So the pickings are so slim. They might as well just, you know, you want to boycott Georgia? Good, boycott it. We're looking at Christian films anyway. Christian films that are now being made and they're going mainstream because they are mainstream because we are mainstream. If you're listening to this right now, you're mainstream. You are not an outlier. You're the mainstream. You're the audience that all of the different uh, major corporations, the people who make our dishwashing detergent and our soap and cleaners and toilet paper, you're the market that they're most interested in. You're the households with, with or without kids um, that, that drive this economy. So, I mean, I don't have time. I don't have time to be caring about them. Now, I'm, I want to make, we have a phone call I want to get to. If you want to join us, we always love to have calls, 866-963-2037, 866-963-2037. Um, I want to make a correction or, you know, maybe you'll call this, you know, I'm taking something back, what have you. Um, I'm human and I come on the show and if I make an error, I like to come back on and correct it. And so I believe it was last week I was saying that there's this rash of bills that are coming out and I don't think that there's the wherewithal on the Supreme Court to support a challenge to Roe v. Wade right now because su Supreme Court uh, Justice Roberts and, you know, we don't really know if... Uh, Kavanaugh, if the two of them would really have the backbone to carry through an overturning of Roe v. Wade. And I said that last week. I, that's what I genuinely felt. So I was reading my word, you know, and I also read a couple more articles about these bills. And I feel like I was convicted in the moment for saying that now wasn't the right time to pass all these bills because they're, they're basically Supreme Court challenges waiting to happen. And here's why I say that. I think the reason why, I mean, I understand why I said what I said last week. I was just looking at the lay of the land as it stands. But what I'm seeing now is that the, the reason these bills are happening, yes, the, the Supreme Court has taken a conservative turn. But there's another reason why these things are happening now, why these bills have momentum, why people are finally saying enough is enough. Because people know more now, in spite of the liberal attempt to stifle the spread of information about what abortion really is and what happens to the bodies of the aborted babies, the information is out. Kermit Gosnell, you know, that dastardly evil human, we can thank him for part of it. We can thank the, the, the um, production houses that are making these movies, not just God's Not Dead, but Gosnell and then Unplanned this year. There is a real cleaving going on because the more information that's out there about what Planned Parenthood does, what the abortionists do, 
what happens to the aborted babies, how their parts are being sold, how a intact human fetus is what they call it, that has been aborted and is intact. That goes for $500,000 in the research market. When people learn these things, it becomes either a matter of, you know, I have to get away from this and I have to fight it. I can no longer support it. Or it becomes an open knowing participation in the sin that is abortion and the abortion industry where that person has said, my heart is seared. I'm not interested in the truth or what God's word says. I'm not interested in what people who want to stop this have to say. I'm supporting it. I don't care what it entails. I'm supporting it. And that is what we're seeing. We're seeing some people, literally people who used to wear the Planned Parenthood t-shirts and go on the Susan G. Komen runs and they have part of their paycheck going to some United Way organization that's basically a conduit for Planned Parenthood. And these, some of these people are saying, I just didn't know and I can't support it anymore. If supporting it means I also support the law in New York that says, you know, abortion after birth could be possible, then I got to step away from that. And so we see that. And as we begin to see more people come to a true realization and knowledge of what it is and step away from it, it's an imperative that they're going to their legislatures and they're now supporting pro-life organizations and they're saying, we have to have these laws. And so woe be it for me, Stacy, to come along and say, now's not the right time. It's not my timing. So of course I can have my opinion. Of course, you know, I can think it's not the right time, but I've, I've changed my mind. It's the right time to have these new laws. It's the right time for Americans to put their foot down and say, not in my state, not with my tax dollars. It's the right time for the groundswell of anger and indignation at what abortion is in this country. How many people have been killed? 24 states worth of Americans since Roe v. Wade and 40 percent of the black population of this country and the lies surrounding it, the multiple, you know, we're talking just tens of thousands, tens of millions of women. It's not tens of thousands, it's tens of millions of women who've had abortions, whose hearts are crying out, who they, they're still in the silent screen because they can't, they feel no place to go to get redemption and to be made whole again. We know you can go to the cross, but it, it's, it has to be that when the people get sick enough, they rise up and they cry out and they end it. We end it. We stop it. The taxpayer funded abortion, the mandate from the Supreme Court that it's a civil right. It's a, you know, it's a constitutional right. And so it's, it's the right time. So I wanted to make that correction because I don't, and and nobody emailed me. It's not like there's anything like that. I just, I was reading it and I thought, wow, I just said it wasn't the right time. And I kind of felt like the Lord was like, yeah, I mean, so since when did you know when it was the right time? And I thought to myself, I don't, I don't know if it's the right time. I don't know. It doesn't look like it's the right time, but isn't, isn't that usually when God gets his best work done? When, when we look, we look around and in the natural, we're like, it's not the right time. We look around and we're literally like, nothing can happen now. Nothing, nothing can happen in this moment. And then you know what happens? God happens. He got, he's in the mix. He's like, yeah, it's my timing. You guys, you know, you're on my time. It looks like it's your time. but It's my time. So I wanted to make that correction. Um, and I, I think as we go forward, we're just going to see God move in amazing ways on this as more of his people begin to repent and turn away from renounce the sin of abortion and our participation in it. That is, that is all that we have to do. It, it, we have to turn away, repent, renounce our participation, and then move forward and look at what he's been able to do. I mean, I saw that that piece today. Actually, my good friend texted me the article about the Planned Parenthood here in St. Louis. And the article is at cbsnews.com. She texted it to me. And I didn't see it because I was in Bible study this morning. So I looked at right before the show. I'm like, oh, my goodness. This is what? We were just at this Planned Parenthood like a few weeks ago, um, praying outside the Planned Parenthood. And now, and they've, they've actually got a new paint job on the building. They painted it and changed this, the color of the logo to make it look more fresh, you know. Um, so yeah, 
I just can't believe it. Now, it's obviously it's it's still open and it will still be open. They just won't be able to do abortions there. But here's here's a little tidbit of news because I, I loved. Thank you so much for the people who called in last hour and they said they want to encourage me. That is so kind. And I really appreciate that. Um, and I want to encourage you here in Missouri the Planned Parenthood that I've been talking about that's on Forest Park Boulevard, the last remaining abortionary in the state of Missouri, that's Planned Parenthood. Um, they used to do abortions. They had such heavy business that they did them on Sundays. And so um, Saturdays and Sundays is when they would do the abortions. Well, and that, and the reason they would do that is because if you're a student, if you're a college student, you have classes during the week. If you work, you know, Monday through Friday, you, you're working. And so they didn't want people because you have to be off for two days in order to have the abortion. Well, their business has gone down so much, their, their foot traffic for people coming in and having abortions, that they are literally now doing them during the week. I believe they're doing them on Tuesdays. I have no, like, I, obviously when people say, oh, we know what day they're doing them, we don't, we just know what the, the high traffic days are. And so that our guesstimation now is that they do them on Tuesdays. But here's, here's what I'm saying. For them to have so much business that they could pay people extra to be there on the weekends and have their abortion days be Saturday or Sunday and now have to move to Tuesday. And now just after I heard that a few weeks ago, now we're looking at them shutting down the abortion portion of their business just in those few short weeks. God is on the move. And I will not be in the way of that. I will not be in the way of that. Um, I'm just expecting great things because when he gets to doing something, Oh, get out of the way because he's he's doing something here in the state of Missouri and in Georgia and in Alabama. He's doing something across this country. People are being set free and they're coming to know what they truly believe. And they're coming over to our side, um, which is it's God's side, really. It's not our side. It's God's side. What he said about the unborn and his creation. People are coming to realize um, that there's there's no middle ground here. So. I wanted to make sure and, and make that correction. Um, okay, so I want to go to what the president said <laughs> about an insurance policy and getting this guy out of office. So he was on a roll. You know how he is. He gets up before the microphone and he starts doing his thing. And this is no different. Check him out. It's number three. He talked about the insurance policy just in case Crooked Hillary loses. And that didn't work out too well for them. So you look at them, uh, they want an insurance policy so that should she, for any reason, lose, remember, 100 million to one. Maybe he said 100 million to nothing. But should she lose, we'll have an insurance policy and we'll get this guy out of office. And that's what they said and that's what they meant. That's treason. That's treason. They couldn't win the election. And that's what happened. And that's what's happening right now because without the treason word, I guess, but that's what's happening now. They don't feel they can win the election, so they're trying to do the thousand stabs. Keep stabbing. Let's have a financial. Let's have. And if you look for $40 million, I would think seriously that Bob Mueller and his group of 18 killers have gone over my taxes. They've gone over my financial statements to a level that nobody has gone over them before. And they were not discussed even. They weren't even discussed or brought up. I have great statements. Mm, okay. <laughs> so oh you gotta love it when he starts so the, you know what the media focused on with that he said treason he said treason and the penalty for treason against the united states of america is death do you mean people need to die they're not even focused on the fact that if he said it's treason that means people in this country were actually working to subvert the lawful operation of the federal government and our election processes. And they wanted to see head, heads roll when they thought Russia was interfering. But if it's just good old Democrats, then it's no big deal. Uh, I'm, you know, okay. <laughs> I can't, I can't with these people. I don't know what, I don't know why, I don't know who, I don't know what their thing is. Now, so I got, um, oh my goodness, just in, just in, because I, I did not see this until just now. Clarence Thomas actually wrote a scathing Dissent saying, given the potential for abortion to become a tool of eugenic manipulation, the court will soon need to confront the constitutionality of laws like Indiana's. He penned a scathing indictment of abortion, further setting the stage for a real showdown over the issue soon. Like I said, God is on the move. We'll be back with more after this. 
When an abortion-minded woman walks into a pre-born pregnancy center, she encounters love and compassion and gets to meet her baby by ultrasound. And I was like, I'm gonna go to the abortion clinic. And I already had my mind made up. This mom didn't make it to the abortion clinic. Instead, God led her to a pre-born center. And the lady is giving me my ultrasound. She's like making these weird faces and then she's like, it's two. And I'm like, I just start crying. I started texting my friends and like, I can't. The ministry of Preborn was able to help this mom save not just one life, but two through ultrasounds. Preborn centers help save babies' lives and souls. Preborn runs and leads Christian pregnancy centers all over the country. To find out more, go to preborn.com. That's preborn.com. Or dial pound 250 and say the keyword baby. That's pound 250 and say baby. Your love can save a life. This is Viewpoints with Kirby Anderson. You know, two recent articles illustrate our uncertainty about the future of technology. One proclaims that more than 70% of U.S. fears robots taking over our lives. Another is a special edition of Time magazine that believes that artificial intelligence is the future of humankind. A recent Pew Research poll found that 72% of Americans express wariness or concern about a world where machines perform any of the tasks done by humans. This is more than double the number who were enthusiastic about the prospect. Perhaps the best example of the discontinuity between experts and the general public is the possibility of driverless cars. There is broad agreement among proponents of the technology that it would be safer than cars driven by distracted, drunk, or sleepy drivers. The American public disagrees. The author of the report says that people are not buying the safety argument about driverless vehicles. By contrast, the latest Time magazine special edition on artificial intelligence is quite sanguine about the possibilities of robots, computers, and machine intelligence. Each article explains the benefits to business, government, and the military. It explains how self-driving cars are safer and how we will enjoy various high-tech toys. Near the end, it does provide a range of reactions to artificial intelligence. Ray Kurzweil believes that AI will be achieved by 2029 and will be a great benefit to humans. By contrast, Stephen Hawking believes that AI could be the biggest event in human history, but also warns that it could be the last unless we learn how to avoid the risks. These are wise words and a good reason to be asking important questions about the impact of the new technologies. I'm Kirby Anderson, and that's my point of view. For a free copy of Kirby's booklet, A Biblical View on Antisemitism, go to viewpoints.info slash antisemitism. Viewpoints.info slash antisemitism. This is Stacy on the Right with Stacy Washington on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. Hey, y'all. Welcome back. Welcome back to the program. Thank you for being here. Check out onenewsnow.com. That's our news site at American Family Association. And also, check out AFR.net. You can also find AFR on Twitter. If you've never been to their Twitter feed, go to mine. I retweeted a story from American Family Radio. And so you can check that one. Just click on it. And you can follow American Family Radio on Twitter. (laughs) Yeah, you should do that. Um, Even though they are throttling my numbers down, I soldier on. I continue to tweet and do what I can on the Facebook. Uh, But anyway... Right now, it's my pleasure to welcome Kyle Drennan. He is a senior news analyst for Media Research Center and frequent guest on the program. We are so glad to have him with us. Hey, Kyle, how's it going? Uh, It's going well. Thanks for having me on. Well, you know what? I'm especially interested to hear what you have to say about the Hollywood folks trying to boycott Georgia, which is basically the new Hollywood. Like, that's where they do most of their filming. And I'm just trying to figure out how they make that work. Yeah, well, apparently not very well, because as soon as, uh, you know, the legislature in Georgia wants to uh, pass any kind of uh, conservative or pro-life legislation, uh, the Hollywood crowd gets, you know, just gets terrified and uh, and starts threatening to uh, to leave and to boycott and just doing everything they can to bully uh, the people of Georgia. So is this, like, is this feasible? Because we're, we're not just talking about you know, them upstakes on one warehouse where they film one show. Netflix has really centered most of their production in Georgia. And apparently, according to Georgia officials, 
They employ 92,000 people in Georgia, and Georgia is the black mecca of America. So a ton of those 92,000 are blacks and they're, they're Democrats. These are their core constituencies. So if they decide to shut it down, it would take a long time and it would also hurt their people. Yeah, no, and I, I think that's right. I mean, it's, it's, they, you know, in our, it's a huge industry in, in Georgia. And sort of rather than, you know, sort of you have these Hollywood elites basically saying, you know, instead of sort of caring for all these employees that, that are there, uh, just average, uh, you know, middle-class people who are trying to make a living from this industry. You know, you have these Hollywood elite, elites basically saying, "Listen, you know, we don't like this piece of legislation in your state, so we're gonna we're gonna leave. We're gonna uh, take away all the jobs uh, unless you do what we tell you to do." I mean, it's just, you know, they, they these are people who sort of you know claim to be these liberal champions of the people, but meanwhile they don't really seem to you know care that much about all the people who may, who may be uh, out of work uh, and, you know, in this effort to intimidate state legislatures. So uh, here's the other thing. Don't the people of Georgia, because there, there's this huge split in, in the black community, um, there is still a significant portion of blacks who vote for the Democrats for socioeconomic policy and their purported ability to care for the poor, but they don't agree on abortion. So, pro-life Democrats who happen to be black, who may be fine with the abortion ban, they maybe still want to have Stacey Abrams as governor. I mean, it's it's a really split mentality. It's like you want this person who would uh, obliterate the things you claim to want as a Christian, but whatever. But has anyone in Hollywood actually considered the, the idea that possibly Georgians on the whole support these bills limiting abortion? Yeah, no, I mean, yeah, it certainly doesn't seem like they sort of entertain that possibility at all. Um, I mean, you know, uh, the latest example was this morning on the Today Show. You had Ron Howard, uh, the director, on, you know, uh, talking about all the, you know, this latest project that he's working on in Georgia. And this issue came up and he said, oh, well, you know, we've made it very clear that if this actually becomes law, we're, you know, we're done. We're done filming and that's, that's it. We're moving out of there. And And he basically sort of, said it from the perspective of, oh, well, they, you know, these people in Georgia need to understand that those of us in Hollywood, you know, we don't like these, these, this kind of pro-life legislation and everything. And it was all done from the mentality of, like, here's what we in Hollywood think. But there was no sort of consideration, well, what about the people in the state? You know, what do they, what, are the, what does the population there think of this? You know, it, that wasn't a concern. It was just I and my other Hollywood uh, elite friends think this way. And you don't, and you know we don't like the fact that you have a disagreement with us. So you know it's all about how how we in Hollywood see things. So Kyle, there's another issue here that's at play, which is, you know, if if Ron Howard really wanted to have an impact on the state of Georgia, you know, he he probably lives in a what do you think, maybe twenty million dollar home in California. And if you think about the property taxes that he pays and the tax on his private jet and uh, his other luxury toys, if he really wanted to change Georgia, why wouldn't he just move there and build a $20 million home there, which would basically be like Mar-a-Lago almost? I mean, we're, the, the difference in housing prices between Georgia and California, there's no comparison. They're in two separate universes. But he could go there and build a $5 million estate, a compound. He could pay those taxes, those property taxes into some school system in the state of Georgia and really make an impact there so that his threat to leave would have more teeth than him saying, we're going to move the production company. I mean, it's, it's, a, it's a good threat. It, 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 it's jobs he's talking about. But he's really not, he's not fully engaged with the state of Georgia. He just works there. Yeah, no, I mean, I'll, you know, a lot of people in the entertainment industry are happy to go into some of these states and take advantage of all the tax incentives and things that they're getting uh, to, you know, that these states are, are implementing to draw in this kind of business. They're happy to go and take advantage of all But the second, you know, there's something that they don't like, it's, it's you know, they turn to threats and intimidation and boycotts and, you know, you better, you, we better get our way or we're leaving, we're going to go somewhere else. I mean, it's, it's you know, they, they're all there for when it comes to, you know, getting some of the some of the benefits uh, that these states are trying to provide with them with. But the second they, there's something they don't like, it's, you know, they, they immediately start sort of throwing a tantrum, really. So if, 
if you're talking about um, the whole, like there's 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 a number of issues at play here, mainly that abortion in, in Hollywood is seen as this thing that helps lower crime and, and makes life better for Americans. Now that, that obviously that study is spurious. It, it is not rooted in fact. It's a horrible lie that they're peddling that if you abort a whole bunch of black babies, you lower crime in America. I mean, it's, it's like the worst of the worst for them to say that and get away with it. But isn't there also a cultural disconnect between people like Ron Howard and the people in Georgia? Like, like they may be toying around with Stacey Abrams for governor, but they're not as liberal as Hollywood folks. No, definitely not. Definitely not. I mean, it's it's a very different, uh, you know, different culture. Yeah, there's definitely a, a huge disconnect there. And, you know, I think, you know, people like Ron Howard and, and others just, you know, they, they sort of live in their bubble. Um, I mean, he was on the Today Show and said all this, and, you know, no one questioned him. No one said, you know, wait a minute, why, you know, what about the people in Georgia? I mean, why why are you telling them how they should be, you know, what kind of legislation they should be passing? Why is it, you know, why is it your position to do that? You know, there was no sort of pushback, and that's because he's in this liberal bubble of Hollywood and the media, and, you know, they all sort of, they're all, you know, Democrats, liberals, they all kind of talk to each other, and, yeah, they don't sort of think for a second, you know what? You know, just because I view something a certain way doesn't mean everybody else agrees with me. You know, they don't sort of step outside themselves to think that. They just assume, well, obviously, you know, I, I, I'm thinking the correct way and all these other people are, are thinking backwards. So, I mean, I just, <laughs> there's something about this that just really reeks of, um, like, totalitarianism in a way. Like, they're they're like... We're Hollywood, and we have given you some jobs. And if you don't believe the stuff we believe about abortion, we're going to take our jobs, and we're going to, you know, we're going to pack up our jobs, and we're going to go home. But isn't the problem that they have not so much that they want to pack up their jobs, but that they don't have anywhere else to take them? Like they're in Georgia because you said tax incentives and stuff like that. They're not yep. in, in California anymore because their own belief system, liberalism has driven them out of California. Well, California is the optimal place to film, the, the best weather, the best backdrops, the, the most variety and, and like, you know, uh, terrain and all of that. But they're not filming there anymore because it's too expensive, right? Yeah, no, you, that's the funny thing. You don't see them, in, it, you know, filming as much in the blue states anymore, California, New York, here in D.C. You know, it's, because it's really kind of a nightmare to uh, to film. It's so expensive. There are so many permits and rules and regulations. So they're going to some of the you know red states that are you know doing tax incentives that have you know fewer regulations and and you know are more welcoming to business. And so they want to take advantage of that. But at the same time, they they go into these states and then they try to uh, intimidate and bully. Um, you know, conservative, uh, you know, voters, the conservative, more conservative population, you know, when they, when there's something, uh, a bill or something in this case that they don't like, it's, it's, yeah, it's very hypocritical. It's like, oh, we'll come and take advantage of some of your, you know, great business, uh, uh, policies. But, you know, if there's any other social policy we don't like, well, then we're going to, we're going to, you know, try to uh, basically extort you into, uh, into backing down on it. So, so what do you think, Kyle? I mean, I know you don't, neither of us has a crystal ball, neither of us can tell what's going on, but as more states pass these more restrictive laws, are you going to see them actually follow through? Or are Because some of these are empty, hollow promises. We've seen how boycotts work. Some boycotts really take fire and work, but for the most part, people kind of regress back to their normal activity because they're using something because they like it and it's convenient or it's they like it and it's cost effective. They like Georgia because it costs the costs are so much better for them. They can actually turn a profit. And because the workforce in Georgia, there's something about it that suits their needs. How, where else can they go to find that? And what's the likelihood that they'll do it? Yeah, I think, I think that is their big problem that they're going to run into. I mean, there are other, you know, other states like Georgia, other, other red states that, you know, uh, have, you know, similar incentives and, you know, they're all trying to sort of compete with one another. But I think, you know, uh, if they're going to continue to want to, film in some of these states, I think they're going to continue to run into the fact that you're dealing with, you know, redder states with more conservative populations and, you know, people who have very different views than those in Hollywood. So it's like, you know, if you want to spend the money to film in California, you can do that. 
But if you're going to try and go and take advantage of some of these uh, these better uh, policies in some of these uh, other states, you're going to have to accept the fact that yeah, they're they're not going to agree with you on a lot of things. The people in those states, and so it's you know I guess it's going to come down to a business decision. You know, are you willing to spend a lot more money trying to make a movie, or are you going to you know accept the fact that hey. You know, we're going to have to make the better business decision and spend less money, but maybe go to a state where we don't know, you know, people don't necessarily agree with uh, what we agree with. So there's another issue there. I mean, because this this whole story is rife with problems and not solutions. And that is that right now, Hollywood and I'm, I'm saying Hollywood specifically, not so much the Netflix production side. Uh, or Disney, but the Hollywood side, the more traditional movie houses and, and that, that whole bit, they're actually seeing a decline in the movie-going audience, people who are watching traditional television, et cetera, where Netflix is kind of on the upswing, but it's a very tenuous relationship because right now with everything being so politicized, most Americans are like, you know what, if, if there's anything about it I don't like, I'm just staying home, I'll just watch something old that I've already, you know, they don't have the relationship with Americans that they used to have where the loyalty was such that they could move a production company from one place to the other and charge more for the tickets and Americans would just absorb it. Um, they, they don't have the audience share they used to have. Yeah, no, I do think that's, I think that's right. And there's so much competition out there. I mean, you talk about Netflix, there's, you know, everybody and their brother is starting a streaming service. It seems like nowadays. <laughs> so, I mean, it's like, there's a lot of competition out there. So, you know, if if any of these movie studios or any of these streaming services get way too political and start offending and turning off uh, their, some of their customer base, you know, th- those customers can easily go somewhere else. So I do think that's that's something that they have to consider uh, when they start talking about doing boycotts and trying to, you know, pressure and intimidate uh, uh, people they disagree with. You know, if if people see that enough, they're they're gonna you know, respond in kind, and there's a lot of competitors out there who will take take that business. And not just take it. I mean, they're, so they're competing over a certain group of Americans who are actually still movie-going and a certain group of Americans who actually watch TV. And then there's a whole new group of Americans that seems to be growing, which is the younger ones and then older ones who are kind of jumping on board a little bit later, but still... And that's streaming. So people who want to watch their movies on their device or have access to the movie instantly instead of waiting for it to go through theaters or have access to an entire season of content instead of waiting. I mean, I, it's just so volatile. It seems like they're shooting themselves in the foot, like making this law an issue that they want to die on, a hill they want to you know, sacrifice on, seems to be idiotic when you look at everything that's at play right now with their, with their industry. Yeah, no, I think yeah, as a business decision, it really doesn't make any sense. Um, but you know, they're they're, I think you know, liberals first. Uh, really, I mean, the ideology comes first for a lot of them, and they you know they want to uh, make a stand and you know get a lot of attention, uh, saying, oh, we're we're forcing, we're going to force Georgia to uh, to submit to uh, our liberal ideology. Um, yeah, but as a business decision, it really doesn't make any sense uh, because there's so much competition out there. Because again, costs of filming in uh, in blue states that are more friendly to their ideas, are, you know, it's much more expensive. So yeah, it's at some point I think they do again have to make that choice. Like, are you making a business decision or are you trying to just make a political ideolo- ideological decision? Mm. Well, you know what. Only time will tell, but I think, so sometimes you gamble and you win, and sometimes you gamble big and you lose. And I think if they decide to pull out of Georgia, the backlash to 92,000 or however many it is, workers and their families and their extended families, cutting them off in response, cutting Hollywood off, uh, they're, they're in a game they, they can't win. Kyle, thank you so much. Kyle Drennan, Senior News Analyst for MRC. Thank you for joining us today. Thank you very much for having All right. Talk to you again soon. Um, You know what? We'll be back with more. In fact, I have some more audio for you. I have two more stories, one about the NRA um, and then 88,000 people signing a petition to stop a UK doctor from being fired after he asked a Muslim woman to remove her veil so he can understand her. Yes. (laughs) Stay right there. 
This is Kay Arthur. Are you hungry for love, unconditional love, because unconditional is what you need? You've blown it, made a mess of life, and deep inside you wonder if anyone could love you the way you are. God does. And that's why God let His only Son, Jesus Christ, die on a cross almost 2,000 years ago. Jesus died for you because God knew you would fail to measure up. That's how much God loves you. The Bible, God's book, says while you were a sinner, a person who failed and missed God's standard, Jesus died for you. But that's not all. God raised Jesus from the dead. Because Jesus lives forever, you can too. If you want unconditional love, dear one, and a new start on life, call 888-NEED-HIM. Let me repeat that. If you would like to speak to someone right now about beginning a personal relationship with Jesus Christ, call 888-NEED-HIM. There's a particular reason why there is a Back to God radio show. It was about four years ago, God called me out of the pulpit and said, Dexter, I need you to go tell my people it's time for them to get back to God. Back to my morals, back to my values. This is the thing that you're supposed to do simply because you belong to the Most High God. It's the least that you can do for a God that loves you the way that He does. Time to get back to God. Weekday afternoons at 4 Central on Urban Family Talk. Bishop E.W. Jackson. Every single one of us who's been saved was once on the other side. You know, the Bible says, and such were some of you. Before I got saved, I knew things were wrong, but I figured as long as I didn't get caught, what difference did it make? But the thing is, he changes you down on the inside anyway so that you don't want to do what's wrong. The Marriage, Family, and Life Conference is coming June 20th through 22nd. Learn more and register at urbanfamilytalk.com. Securing America. Honoring the nation's war dead. Vice President Mike Pence bowed his head after laying a wreath at the Tomb of the Unknowns at Arlington National Cemetery and noted nearly one million Americans have died in uniform, saying words fail when heroes fall. As I can tell from the faces of those gathered here, you know the numbers don't tell the story. They tell nothing of the lives of promise. Cut short. The vice president said the fallen's duty was to serve. Ours is to remember. We can never repay the debt of gratitude we owe to the men and women who have given all to preserve our freedom. But we can honor them, remember them, cherish their families. The ceremony, one of several happening in Washington and around the country. In Washington, Rachel Sutherland, Fox News. You can watch a live stream of the show on Facebook or YouTube at Stacy on the Right. Now, back to the show on American Family Radio and Urban Family Talk. You know, we started this about two months ago when we went to Speaker Pelosi's office and we had a sit-in and we said, why are you allowing Elon Omar to sit on the highly sensitive and important House Foreign Affairs Committee? And we've continued with this and we had this rally today Many of us got together and decided it was time to put this rally at the crossroads of the world in Times Square. Listen, first of all, not all of New Yorkers are, are, are liberals or leftists and Marxists. There are still a lot of people here in the city that are full of common sense and they see what's going on. This is a travesty. Not only is this woman anti-Jewish, she's anti-American. You know that she has said often that America is a country that's racist and hate-filled and it's built on genocide and slavery. This is not someone who seems to, to like America. Oh, he is so good, isn't he? Um, that is Rabbi uh, Arya Sparrow. Arya Sparrow. And he was just phenomenal. He just, first of all, you know you have really done wrong when a rabbi leaves the temple and comes out and takes to the podium and starts castigating you. You know you have done wrong. And when I, the reason I say that is because they tend to stay in their congregations, there are strong voices within their within their their temple and, and the community that they serve, but they're not really prone to taking to the microphone. They're not prone to holding rallies and such. If you have drawn the ire of a rabbi, you you really you know what I'm saying? Because if they're coming out and they're publicly, you know, denouncing your statements, you're out of control. And he just called her out so perfectly. Ilhan Omar, someone who should be she, she should get up in the morning. 
And she should thank God in heaven, the God that we serve. She should thank him every day that she gets to be here. And then she should be thanking Americans because she's, I'm in Congress. Can, can I just say thank you to you? Can I, can I just, are, thank you so much. Are you a lawful American citizen? Thank you. Thank you. I, I'm a member of Congress. I was a refugee in a third world pit. And now I, I'm an American and I'm in Congress. Thank you. Is there anything I could do for you? Maybe, maybe, can I buy your coffee? I'm in line. She should, that's, that should be her attitude. She should be so full of gratitude that we can't fix our mouths to criticize her because all we can say is, oh my goodness, she just so gr- she's so glad to be here. She's just so glad to be here amongst us. She may disagree with, you know, me or you or somebody on a public policy issue, but for her to be here constantly railing about how our country was built on slavery, how would she know? She's not descended from slaves. She doesn't get to partake in the lineage that I come from, uh, you know, and I don't for one second take for granted that even as a descendant of a slave, I'm still grateful to be here. That is the part that just, it's enraging. It's enraging. Now, I'm not going to get all worked up and start yelling and screaming on this microphone today after a beautiful three-day weekend. That's not going to happen. But I will say this. It is infuriating to hear people who, honestly, she could have been here or she could have not been here. It's by the grace of God that she is actually in this country walking on our beautiful paved roads and using our lovely porcelain toilets and partaking in the talking televisions and dishwashers and everything else that we have going on. Forget, forget all of the electronics. She's blessed to be here in our arid weather temperatures where she can literally say, you know, I don't like snow. I'm moving to Florida. I don't like hurricanes. I'm moving to California. I don't like not having high winds. I'm moving to Chicago. We have every variation of weather, every variation of vegetation, every variation from below sea level to, you know, mountainous regions. We have deserts. We have high desert. We have whatever they call that space that Colorado, you know, that that type of, you know, this woman, should, she should be so busy hamming it out because she's an American and she can uncover her hair. She can flat iron it. She can get it weaved. She can buy some hair. She can sell her hair. She could shave her head. She could wear her hair unkempt. She could let it get dreaded up. She could even make it into an Afro and rock that. She can wear anything she wants. She can wear men's wear, women's wear. She can get tattoos. She can not get tattoos. This woman could adopt a whole bunch of children that are not the same ethnic background as she is. She could own one house. She could own 12 by herself. No man required. Not that I'm against that, but she comes from a third world pit where she was property. She, she married her brother. I mean, I, I honestly, I feel for her, but that woman was married to her own brother. Okay. So for her to fix her mouth up against the rest of us Americans who we just literally turned around and said, I'm sorry, what, who, who was talking? I, cause that's how I feel about her. Whenever she comes out with something new, I'm like, oh my goodness, who is this again? Oh, this one that hangs out with care on the weekends. She hangs out with an unindicted co-conspirator to Hamas, which is a terrorist organization. That's where she spends her time on the weekends. The council for American Islamic something or other. American Islamic relations, I think it is. What? What? She's, she doesn't have the time to just sit down and look around and notice that her nails are painted and think, you know, I couldn't even have fathomed having the time and the day and the money needed to go get my nails and my toenails painted, that I would wear red lipstick and red suits, that I would buy fancy clothes, that I would have somebody drive me around, that I would be a member of the legislating body that makes the decisions that literally turn nations I'm sorry, what, Ilhan? I'm sorry. What she should be doing is down at the naming office, changing her name to Jenny Smith and acting like as American as she can. She should be on every website about what Americans like. She should be wearing scarves in the summer. She should have a good British accent that she can adopt to make jokes. She should learn how to drink beer, eat apple pie. She should learn how to barbecue pig. She should be eating bacon at least once a week. And she should never... Fix her mouth to try to act like the black American experience is her own. 
Her background is that of a refugee who came here by the grace of God, and she is now an American citizen. She has not been, nor will she ever be, descended from slaves, so she doesn't get to talk about the slave experience or what the rest of us Black Americans who, thank you, Ilhan, but we're fine. We don't need your help. We're doing fine. We were great before you came, and we'll be great if you ever commit a felony and get deported. We'll be here still because this is our country. You're welcome. Thanks for joining us. That's how I feel about that. And I'm just wanting to understand why. Other blacks, whether you're liberal or conservative or agnostic, who cares what your politics are? How can you allow her to say those things when every time someone who's white, if anybody white who says even the slightest little thing, even a joke, oh, well, this is racism. That's just the worst kind of racism. And the things they say about Donald Trump, just ridiculous lies. But she gets to talk like that? America is a racist country built on slavery. What of it? You know, we get to be whatever we want to be. We're Americans. We have a constitution. We'll be whatever. We'll be, we'll have our people driving their trucks with their Confederate flags. Good for you. People driving around with their little Cinco de Mayo flags. I don't respect it, but good for you. You do you and Ilhan Omar should be someplace right now changing her name and ripping that scarf off and running with her hair back. Just let that, that hair flow through the wind. And picking a place to live in this country that's completely different from any place she's ever been. And leaving behind this ridiculous ideology of political domination through Islam and degrading the very country that saved her little bacon, her little narrow bacon. Because we saved her. She hasn't saved us from anything except having the free time not to listen to her idiotic comments. That's the... That's what she could be saving us from. You know what? Forget all the other suggestions I've made. If she would just press her lips together and stop saying idiotic things, I would just be grateful enough for that. She could just go on being an anti-American and we could just have the parting of the ways like that. But as long as she's going to keep opening her mouth up, she better find something nice to say about this place. That's what she should do. Find something nice to say about this country that took you in. We didn't have to take you in. We didn't have to bring all your family members over here. And we certainly didn't have to allow the State Department to legalize and validate your marriage to your brother. Oh, I could just keep going on, but I'm not. I'm not going to keep on going on her. No. So pivoting over to sneaky, underhanded, nasty commentary, this packed, jam-packed to the overflowing with lies. Hogan Gidley, you know, he's, he's awesome. He literally went in on the mainstream media and they're reporting on President Trump, the way they like to use these editorialized words. This is awesome. It's number two. I mean, especially when you're in the face of 92% negative news coverage against you, we have to vouch for him all the time. It's amazing how the media covers uh, what he does and what he says in a slant that makes everything negative, no matter how positive the subject matter may be. And You're saying uh, everybody does that? Uh, Many journalists do that? I'd, I'd say a majority of journalists. I mean, there's no doubt about that. And when he leaves a meeting with Nancy Pelosi and all they do is mischaracterize his demeanor and take whatever she says, you know, lock, stock and barrel. I mean, it would be so nice if we had a complicit, compliant media the way the Democrats do. And we don't. But that's the game. And we understand that. That's why the president takes everything directly to the American people so often. Okay. (laughs) I have nothing to add. (laughs) That was awesome. So I promised you we're going to talk about this NRA gun rights um, story. And so the long and the short of it, and, and I'm covering this with you right now because, you know, First of all, those are my peeps over there at the NRA. And we had um, Lieutenant Colonel and former Congressman Alan West on the program. And he was talking about the, you know, his call for Wayne LaPierre to resign. And I really feel grateful, as I stated then with him, that, that we have him there to kind of bring the news out to us because he's an NRA member and, and a board member. But the NRA family over there, those, those are my peeps. And when there's turmoil and, you know, arguing and fighting going on, it doesn't change the fact that I still support the National Rifle Association. Additionally, um, there's, you know, some lawsuiting going on back and forth between them and Ackerman McQueen. And those are my peeps over there, too, at the many Ackerman McQueen offices. Um, those are my peeps. And I, I, I'm, I still fully support them as well. So when your family gets to fighting and whatnot, you don't stop loving your family I, I have not stopped loving my NRA and ACMAC family. I'm still right in the thick with them. 
And I'm hoping that all of this can be resolved. My sincere hope is that they can resolve the issues that they're currently having and get back to the business of defending the Second Amendment and using the members and the collective power of us organizing together to make strides to make gun ownership more free, more readily available and safe for every American who wants to partake of that constitutionally protected right. And so, you know, that's what I have to say about that. But this story about the NRA um, actually using this, this is a gun control um, rule. So the city of New York has this rule that if you want to transport your firearm from one place to another, you have to be going to one of the, if you live in New York City, you have to be going to one of their approved ranges. And of course, you have to have the guns locked in one compartment and the ammunition locked away from it in another compartment. But you have to be traveling to one of the seven approved locations or you can't transmit your firearm. You can't drive it anywhere. Now, I know that sounds weird. If you live anywhere else in the country, you're like, well, how can they tell you where you can and can't take your gun? That's totalitarianism under liberals, liberal rule, uninterrupted liberal rule. This is where they go. That's why we're always so diligent about fighting for the right to keep and bear arms. So what the NRA is doing is this court, this, this court case is actually going to go up to the uh, Supreme Court. So what the gun grabbers are doing is they're actually saying that they want to um, basically cancel the new rule that says, because if they cancel it, then they feel like, the Supreme Court won't feel a need to address the issue. Well, I don't think that's going to be how it works. I think if they cancel it, they're still going to have the Supreme Court possibly rule on it. The Supreme Court hasn't made a significant ruling on the Second Amendment since the Heller decision. And so these New York City restrictions, um, they need to be repealed. So um, the NRA is actually helping with this uh, this this court case you've got gun rights groups led by the NRA um which they've joined together large states including um California Florida Illinois New York they all have provisions and the NRA is trying to strike those provisions down now the high court has refused for nearly a decade to jump back into the gun debate um declining to rule on at least eight opportunities within the past you know 10 years or so they let the Chicago semi-automatic weapons ban stand um, and a variety of prohibitions against carrying guns in public that were enacted in New Jersey and California. They refused to second-guess age limits for carrying guns in Texas and rules for disabling or locking guns while not in use that were implemented in San Francisco. But now they have Kavanaugh, who replaced the swing vote of Justice Anthony Kennedy, and the NRA and challengers won't be satisfied if New York repeals the law. And this is Adam Winkler, UCLA law school professor and author of the book on the gun rights battle. He says they want the Supreme Court to step in and announce stronger protections for gun rights under the Second Amendment. He's right. I love it when a liberal gets exactly what we're trying to do right. We are not satisfied with New York simply backing down temporarily and removing their silly laws, their silly rules. We want the Supreme Court to further codify what we know to be true in the Constitution of these United States, which is that the Second Amendment shall not be infringed. And when you get to infringing, you'll be smacked back. That's what we want. Yes, I said we. I'm the NRA, and if you are a gun owner, so are you. All right, that's the show for today. God bless you from the heartland. I'm Stacey Washington. The views and opinions expressed in this broadcast do not necessarily reflect those of Urban Family Talk, Urban Family Communications, or American Family Association.